This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. Well, good morning. It's good to be back with you from an amazing trip that Susan and I were able to make together, along with 18 other people from Schweitzer, to uh, Ephesus in Turkey, to uh, Athens and Corinth in Greece, and, and also to visit some sites in Italy, and it was a tremendous trip. Um, the ruins that we saw, particularly in Ephesus, really helps that whole story come alive in an amazing way, and as we were uh, in uh, Turkey, my heart really goes out to that country and that nation as tourism is down about 80% this year, and you think about this um, uh, uh, very strategically located country, and uh, the turmoil with their government they're going through and some of the nations that they border and the whole threat of ISIS. It's, it's really tragic when you think about, uh, uh, you know, the biblical sites and the things that went on way back then seems to still uh, be occurring. And, and, uh, but uh, the story itself of Paul comes alive when you, you go to these sites and places. And I look forward to sharing a series of messages and a class with you early next year that uh, I hope you want to be a part of. Uh, we were privileged to go with 18 other people from Schweitzer. It was a, it was a fun group of people, a great group of people. And along with us, uh, uh, there were a couple of family members, uh, Susan's sister and our brother-in-law, as well as uh, Dennis and uh, Lori Miller, uh, Dennis the pastor at Aldersgate, uh, doing really great ministry there. In fact, I'd brag on him more, but I'm afraid you would probably leave here and go there, so uh, enough on that. Uh, there's two things that I uh, came back with uh, from uh, the journey. One is jet lag, serious jet lag that continues. Susan and I have really been going through it. One morning, we were getting around, scurrying about. Uh, going to our appointments, and uh, I, she was ahead of me, and so she left ahead of me, and I was looking frantically for my glasses everywhere, couldn't find them, and, you know, do, do the prayer, Holy Spirit, help me find the stuff, get the saints praying for those lost things, you know, those things that we do, and, and I was looking around, and I found her glasses, not a good sign, and so I, I called her phone, you know, Honey, did you happen to put my glasses on? Well, she left her phone uh, in the room as well, and so there's no luck with that. And yeah, sure enough, she had she was wearing my glasses to her appointment, thinking they were awfully loose feeling, and maybe she needs to get a new eye vision test. So anyway, uh, those kind of things just happen uh, <laughs> when you have jet lag. And so I've been on two other previous overseas flights. Uh, you know, when I was in my 20s, I went to Israel and uh, stood up and preached a couple times the next day or two, didn't bother me a bit, and we, we got in midnight Monday, so I should be fine, but I'm not. So anyway, uh, we're going to have fun together today. The other thing I brought back was a beard. You know, I, I couldn't find my razor anywhere over there. Uh, couldn't find the luggage. I found the, the electrical cord, but couldn't find the razor, and so I found it on the day we're leaving. You know, to pack back. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. And so uh, uh, the beard, you know, once you start working on it, I'm, I think I want to keep it a while. Uh, Susan's given me a little bit of a reprieve on this. And it's fun when you come back and you 
you know, people look at you for the first time about your appearance, you know, like, uh, oh, oh, Bob, <laughs> it's you, you know. Um, Oren, our grandson, when he looked at me for the first time, he, he stepped back, and he, 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 and so I had to talk to him to convince him, you know, that, oh, it's, it's Papa, we're, we're fine, and uh, even the dog was having issues. I, I, I went to our backyard the next day to mow our lawn, and and uh, the dog was loose, and he walked up to me, and I walked up to him, and he stepped back and ran away. And then he started, and by the way, we have an 80-pound German shepherd. And then he starts walking toward me like this, and my eyes flash before me. And then he starts sniffing me, and oh, yes, he, he recognizes me. Thank goodness. So anyway. But as I was thinking about uh, changes of appearance, I, I was thinking about the text, the scripture that uh, we're going to look at together today, and it's the words of the Apostle Paul as he writes to the Corinthians. And he's writing about the change, the change that the Holy Spirit brings in our lives. And how that we are changed, where our appearance, even our appearance, changes. Where we become more like Jesus. It's not that our physical appearance or our physical features change that much. It's not that our personality changes. You know, if you're an introvert before you're filled with the Spirit, you're going to be an introvert afterwards. You're going to be an extrovert if you're an extrovert. If you're more of a thinking person, you're going to be a thinking person. You're more of a feeling. It's not that our personality changes or that our physical features change that much, but there's something about us that's different. Something about our conduct, something about our character, something about our demeanor that reminds people of Jesus. Let's look at these words to Paul together. So here he's describing the change. Since this new way gives us such confidence, this new way of the Spirit, we can be very bold. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face so that the people of Israel would not see the glory even though it was destined to fade away. But the people's minds were hardened. And to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so that they cannot see the truth. Let's talk about that just for a moment. So, Paul makes this audacious claim that the Jewish people when they read the scripture, when there's like a veil that darkens their minds. And you know, in some ways, that sounds very anti-Semitic. But remember, Paul was a Jew. And he's not just talking about something that's theological or theoretical. He's talking about something that happened to him. And I want to suggest to us that the veil is different for everybody, but there's a veil that can cover every one of us our own minds, our own hearts, our own spirits that blocks away the vision of really seeing the glory of God. And this veil can be removed 
only by believing in Christ. Yet, even today, when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with the veil, and they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us, all of us, who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. The Word of God for the people of God. Paul is talking about a change that happens in our appearance. He's talking about something that happened to him. You know, the Apostle Paul was a Jew, not just any Jew, but he was a Pharisee. He was someone that was a leader against this new way. He hated Christians. He had a scowl on his face. He went out of his way to terrorize and to kill Christians and to put them in jail and into prison. But something happened to Paul as he's doing this on the journey to Damascus. God knocks him off his horse. You ever been knocked off your horse before? Paul got knocked off his horse. And then he saw. Who did he see? He saw Jesus. He saw the glory of God. He saw the likeness of God. He saw the power of God. It's Jesus whom you are persecuting, Paul. And it's said of Paul, and I love this, this particular portrait. There's several different portraits. It reminds us that Paul wasn't fair-skinned and had blue eyes and blonde hair. He's a Mid-Easterner. Paul, in one description of his appearance that comes from the 3rd century, says that Paul was bald-headed. He had a crooked nose. He had bow legs, bow-legged legs. Did I say that right? I don't know. Okay. And he had the countenance of an angel. So when Paul met Christ, when he's filled with the Spirit, his physical features don't change. His personality didn't change. He's still kind of the bull in the china shop. He can still be overbearing at times, but he had the face of an angel. I like that. And so Paul, as he writes these words to the people in Corinth, first century, he's saying that when God gets a hold of our life, we're transformed. Our appearance is different. Our face is a reflection of the glory of God as we become more and more like Him. The image of Christ. David Siemens was a longtime pastor and author in the United Methodist Church. has been deceased for a number of years. He tells a story that when he was 12 years of age, he bid farewell to his parents. It's before World War II, and they leave Wilmore, Kentucky, and they go to India on their next stint as their missionaries. But World War II broke out, and so he did not see his parents until he was 20 years of age. And he, tell, he talks about that morning when 
his parents came back into the railway station in a foggy morning where they'd left their boy of 12 and now they see their young son, young man at, at 20 years of age. And they embrace him, but they bring him inside. And when they look at him, his mother turns to his father and says, Why, Tata, he's gone and looked like you. He's gone and looked like you. And I, I just got to think that along the years, over the years, every eight years or so, you know, we kind of change, don't we? Kind of change our physical expressions. Sometimes it happens more than other times every eight years. But every eight years or so, if we don't see each other again, don't you think? Don't you think that over the course of eight years or so, someone might look at us and say, Well, you know what? I believe you're beginning to look more and more like Jesus all the time. I think that's just the way it's supposed to be. Sometimes people say when you live together forever, you start looking alike. Well, if we're living with Jesus, we ought to begin to look more like him. And so today we're going to talk about uh, the Holy Spirit and how that the Holy Spirit is the one that helps us to experience this transformation and the holes of the Holy Spirit. How do you know when the Holy Spirit is really getting a hold of your life and taking over? You heard about Charlie Schaefer. He was worshiping recently, uh, worshiping, and he felt this burning sensation in his contemporary church and he was singing these worship songs he was getting excited he felt this heat in his chest and this burning sensation he said I've never felt like the Holy Spirit so close in my life and he's getting so excited and then he realizes it's his Samsung 7 that's exploding in his jacket well, sometimes you may feel the sensation of the Holy Spirit, or sometimes you may not. Sometimes it's an artificial feeling. Sometimes it's a real thing. But here's the deal. There are some indicators. And in the book, The Holy Spirit is With You, we talk about four holes. We, the idea is that in the medieval church, they had holes in the ceiling. We're going to go through some reconstruction efforts here at Schweitzer, but we're not going to put any holes in the ceiling, but the medieval church had holes. And on Pentecost Sunday, the, they released the pigeons to symbolize that the Holy Spirit in the pigeon doves coming down on the worshipers. And they let out these rose petals symbolizing the Holy Spirit coming down on the Spirit. In the ordination service and annual conference this past year, they, they had rose petals fall symbolizing the presence of the Holy Spirit. So we need to have holes in the church. We need to have openings in the church. We need to have openings in our lives where the Holy Spirit can have greater access into us. So let's talk about those four holes this morning. Humility. Humility is a necessary opening for the Spirit to come. 
we remember that Jesus said that unless you become like a child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus talked about how if you, those who humble themselves will be filled. So what is humility? Humility isn't thinking little of herself. Humility is having the ability not to have to think about herself. Humility is, is being playful. It's being joyful. It's the playfulness of a child. Humility means that we don't take ourselves so seriously. Humility is being teachable and learning. Bishop Robert Spain is 91 years of age down in Nashville, Tennessee, and they say he still is doing ministry, still doing Bible studies, and someone asked him the question, why? Why do you keep doing this? And he said, because I haven't arrived yet. Humility reminds us that we have not arrived yet. Yes, I'm becoming more and more like Jesus, but I'm not like him as much as I want to be. And there's a ways for me to go yet. Humility means that we're teachable, that we can still learn, that we can still grow. So humility is a big opening that's needed for the Holy Spirit to move in our life. A second big hole is repentance. Repentance. Uh, unless someone repents and believes the gospel, you can't enter enter into the experience of the Spirit. What does it mean to repent? Paul uses the language in this text, uh, anyone that turns to the Lord. Literally, the Greek word means to pause, to stop, to reconsider, to be open to this redirection of our life. And so there's always this initial repentance that every one of us must come to. And the experience is different for all of us. Some, some, some of us repented and believed so young as a child, it wasn't a dramatic experience necessarily. But the idea is simply this. We may put this in the words of a prayer. or We may not even pray this prayer, but here, here's what it means to repent. Lord, I, I'm tired of living my way. I want to live your way. Jesus, thank you for providing the way for me through your cross and through your resurrection. Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. So come into my life. Thank you for your, the forgiveness of sin. Thank you for the gift of eternal life. Today I choose your way. And I ask you to help me to live this way every day. That's, that's repentance. That's choosing. That's intentionally making a decision to stop doing life my way or the world's way 
and going with the way of Jesus. And it's no accident that the Christians were first called people of the way. And repentance is something we continue to do for a lifetime. It's not like it's a one-time event and we're done with it. But we continue to repent. And it's a life-giving experience. It's joyful. Jesus said there's more joy in heaven when one person repents. And so it, it leads to joy and peace and goodness. And I feel like uh, there's major conversion experiences that happen in our lives if we really are becoming more and more like Jesus. I look at my life and I feel like I'm going through my fifth, kind of my fifth major conversion experience right now. I had one as a child. I had one as a youth or a young man. I had one in my midlife. I had one four years ago, and I'm, I'm up for another one. And by conversion, I mean there's this major shift or understanding or movement or this new season in my life where I'm called to be like this and do this. And hopefully through all these experiences, I am becoming more like Jesus. So repentance is a big hole, opening, where the Holy Spirit can gain access into our life. And then bold action. I love the words of Bob Buford where he says, go big or go home. And I'd like to phrase that, get bold or go home. I think the church needs to get bold. I don't think we're supposed to whimper down. I don't think we're supposed to hunker down or get into our little bunkers and just try to survive till Jesus comes. And I think we're to be bold. I think God is calling us to a sense of boldness, to be bold as the church of Jesus Christ. To take bold action and bold steps. And I see Schweitzer, we're doing bold things and new things every year. And I think that's simply evidence that God is at work. I think there's a boldness in our city, and I love Greg Burris's efforts and coming to churches and saying, you know, the, the community and the needs and what's going on is greater than anyone can solve. Certainly greater than any government. Let's, let's get together. Let's work together. Let's be bold about this. That's a bold move. I love the Convoy of Hope and the way that they created a day of hope uh, in our city. I think we're supposed to be bold. I think we're supposed to get big. I think we're supposed to step out. I think we're supposed to do things in the name of God. And the Holy Spirit's calling us to bold action. It's going to need, we need that. It's going to take that to really transform the world. And it's not something we simply do corporately. It's something we do individually. By individually, I mean we step out of our comfort zones. God may be calling you to do something that's not like you, that's scary, and you don't want to do it. But you step out and do it because God's telling you to do it. And sometimes when you take bold action, it doesn't mean that you're, you're going to have immediate success or f- great fruit about it. I'm kind of hesitant to tell this, this story about me uh, about six weeks ago, but I will to demonstrate. Um, six weeks ago, I, it was interesting, over the course of a week, I was given an opportunity to, to pray 
specifically for people's healing about four different individuals. And there was this one woman in her home who had an ear issue. I, I, I asked if I could pray for her. And there was this young man that had a leg injury, and I asked if I could pray for him. And there was this uh, trainer in uh, the Meyer Center who was having an ear issue. And I said, can I, can I pray for you? And there was this friend that had a neck issue. We were at the ball game together coming home. Can I pray for you? And each of those cases, I asked if I could lay hands on them. They were all glad about that. And I prayed, and I don't, I don't usually do this. I don't usually, uh, I'm not gifted in praying for healing. And in every one of those cases, nothing happened. In fact, in one or two cases, they've only gotten worse. But in every one of those cases, you know, in my natural mind and my natural thinking, I would be discouraged. But I'm not. Or I think, that was a big mistake. You ever feel that way? You've stepped out, you've done something for God. It could be anything. And it doesn't go well. Or there's no results, or there's no fruit. And we get discouraged. But the point is, we've done and stepped out and followed the guidance and blessing of the Holy Spirit. And one man did come back to me and say, Oh, Bob, I, I can't f hear physically as well. But I'm hearing much better spiritually. And so, in your life, in my life, in our life together, we have to be willing to take bold action. And then one final thing, one final hole to talk about is intimacy. Katie Benbo is a young adult in our church. She and her husband and her two children went on a trip to Florida recently, and she talks about what is happening to her through the study, The Holy Spirit is with you. And she's sharing with me in an email, and I share her thoughts with you with her permission and her blessing. But Katie was saying, since this study has begun, there's experiences and people and other books have just kind of come together, and she's enjoyed chair time in the mornings in Florida, watching the sunrise. And how close God has sensed, has become to her. And she says this, I am learning how to pray according to the Holy Spirit. And she describes it in the words of Tori, R.A. Tori, a great Christian author, in saying that none of us know how to pray as we ought to. But we pray based on the guidance of the Holy Spirit. In other words, we learn to pray not with our own words, but we let the Holy Spirit pray through us and give us the words. And when we pray that way, letting the Spirit guide us, we pray rightly and we pray with great joy. Now, I think Katie is really on to something. What's happening to Katie is she's becoming more intimate with God. You know, in your prayer life, you might start talking at God, and you start talking to God, and then you start listening and ultimately you enjoy being with God. Intimacy. To be intimate with God is to know God's voice, to be aware of God, to see God at work in our life, and to respond to God. You know, one of the great benefits of jet lag is that the intellect isn't very sharp. 
and the intellect raises all kinds of objections to the voice of God. Does this happen to you, this arid intellectualism? And our reason kicks in and we say, this can't be God. And so I feel like God has been able to bypass my intellect, bypass my mind, where God can speak to me more intimately and I can hear his whispers better with jet lag. I don't want to keep it, but you get the point. Four holes in the Holy Spirit. We all need humility. We all need repentance. We all need to take bold action. And we long, do we not, for an intimacy with God that grows. So Paul says these words and the words in the message. Um, we're free of it, all of us. Nothing between us and God, our faces shining with the brightness of his face. And so we are transfigured, much like the Messiah, our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. That's the goal of all of life, is that we are becoming more and more like Jesus through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, here's some things to think about. We are having a Holy Spirit Day a week from Saturday on October 29th, and it's a six-hour experience. So we go start with the Outreach Center, and there's, there'll, there'll be teaching. There'll be an opportunity for solitude. You're going to be given an hour just to be in silence to yourself. You, you can receive prayer from other people if you choose to that, and there's going to be an interaction time where we learn to pray together according to the Spirit. And lunch is provided and child care is provided, and that might be the bold action step that God is calling you to do. So on the... Uh, Tear off sheet and the offering just for a moment. If you want to write Holy Spirit on there, we'll get the idea that you want to be a part of that. There's other opportunities. but The Holy Spirit Day is a way that those of us who've gone through this sermon series, gone through the book, gone through groups and classes, what's the next step? That's the next step. And it's going to be a great day a week from Saturday. The other thing is simply this. I'd like to invite us to, to go into uh, a time of prayer together right now. And if you're able, I would invite you to stand. If you're able, you, you may stand. And if you're not able, please remain seated and, and participate in, in this prayer. And we're going to pray this prayer together as, at, that initiates this prayer experience together. Let's, let's pray. Lord... Take me where you want me to go. Let me meet who you want me to meet. Tell me what you want me to say. And keep me out of your way. Amen. Now, if we can have the image of the four holes back up on the screen. I invite you to, um, to simply pray uh, silently for a, few, a moment or two. And look at the four holes of the Holy Spirit and ask yourself, ask the Spirit, which of these holes, which of these openings do I need to have enlarged in my life? 
And I invite you to just simply call that out audibly in this sense of community. Just name what it is for you. And then I'll close us with a, with a time of prayer. For me, it's bold action. I want more bold action in my life. Just call out the names as you will. What's the opening you want to give voice to that you're asking the Holy Spirit to create a bigger opening in your life? We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence in our church and in our lives. We thank you for the freedom that you give us to break out of ourselves and break out of the shell of uh, false identities. And we pray that you would help nudge us right now where you want us to go personally as well as the church you call us to be a people that humbles ourselves before you that you would call us to be a people of repentance that you call us to be a people that take bold action that you call us into deeper intimacy with you until the knowledge of the Lord fills the earth and no one will ever need to ask, who is the Lord? For all will know him. All will know him. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. As we enter into this time of offering, I'll remind all who have filled out your tear-off slips and um, want to share that information.